0: The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May.
1: If you have your Bibles to the book of Colossians, we're moving verse by verse through this series. And we've been for the last couple weeks in a celebration of Jesus and what he came to do. Uh, he's, we learned last week from this incredible poem that, that Paul gives us, that, that Jesus came and uh, not only is, is Jesus the creator, the agent of creation, but he is also the one who is bringing about a new creation. Namely, through his death and resurrection, he is making all things new. And so we're grateful for that and, and we're going to look a little bit deeper into that truth today, what reconciliation means for us as believers today. So Colossians chapter 1. So I need you to stand with me real quickly if you would and uh, stretch for a moment. I know you've been sitting a while. Stretch out. Can you smile at me? All right. Let's pray as we prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for who you are. And Father, we just pray your blessing over this time. We thank you for our our kids workers and our youth pastors and all of our, our young people who participated this morning through drama, through singing. and We pray that it all was done to your glory. We pray that just everything that has come already this morning from this church and everything that will be spoken from here on will be such a sweet aroma to you. It's all intended to be worship, Father. That's why we're here. As we prepare our hearts for the word, would you just help us today, God, honor you and uh, to be free of distraction and just to be able to be doers of the word. That's our hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Yeah, stay standing. No, stay stay standing for just a second. Bob, lead us in in a song as we just uh, prepare for the word.
0: given because you were forsaken. Come on, sing it out. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Would you worship Him? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you. In all I do, I honor. In all I do. In all we do, Lord. I honor you. In all I do. I honor
1: you. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 21. The word of God says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. Well, I know that uh, most of you are probably not particularly fond of Tuesdays. It kind of it seems like just a boring day, right? Uh, but I, I actually love Tuesdays, all right? This is a weird way to start a sermon, I know that. But, but I'm a huge fan of, of Tuesdays, mainly because I love the hashtag Transformation Tuesday. All right, this is the day where people that I know share ways in which they have changed over the course of weeks or months or even years. You're looking at me funny this morning. Does this brighten anybody else's day? Like I love these posts. And often the, the the photos show how someone has aged, or as we like to call it, has matured. Right. Sometimes it celebrates an achievement, other times it shows incredible weight loss or some other health achievement. For better or for worse, it does highlight, though, transformation, and I'm a huge fan of transformation. So even though it is not Tuesday, I thought it would be fun to look at some transformation pics from our church. How many would enjoy that this morning? So let's do this. Dylan, put that first one up there. This is Charity. Next one. Look at this. Steve and Janet. Janet, I'm... Hold on. Oh, okay. It's too late. Janet, I'm amazed that you can still... That's awesome that you can still wear that same outfit, right? All right, next one. And uh, when Dylan saw this picture, he said, That's Nick. I thought the one on the left was Bob Stamper. (laughs) Next one, Ashley. Great picture. Next, Don and Lynn Wynn. How about that? Chad and Kelly, you haven't changed much. Where are you at? All right, hold on. Dylan, are, are we up to Tyler yet? All right, don't do it yet. Tyler, come here. No, Tyler, come here. You guys may not know this, but. Toddler has changed quite a lot since his uh, younger years. Go ahead and put that up there. <laughs> now show show the real one. <laughs> uh, there's a real one. Toddler, what happened, son? <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. All right, next one. There is that, or is that it? That's it. All right. So there's some transformation pics for you. Well, the Apostle Paul, in these few verses, gives these believers in Colossae and us, by the way, a transformation pick of sort, all right, meaning that he reminds these believers in Colossae of who they are in Christ, who they were before Christ, and actually who they will be in the future in Jesus Here's the the truth about Christians. Every one of us, if we are truly in Christ, every one of us should be celebrating because all of us have experienced incredible transformation. Can I get a witness this morning? And it's important, I think, that we know who we were before Jesus, who we are now in Christ, and who we will be in the last day. So these Colossians to whom Paul is writing, because of cultural pressures. They have started to forget these truths. They've begun to kind of lose their identity. And is it not easy for all of us at times to forget who we are in Jesus or perhaps where he has brought us from? And so let us quickly look at this transformation that has taken place in the lives of real followers of Jesus. So we're going to begin by looking at a throwback. All right. So we can do another hashtag. This is, these are our throwback Thursday picks. All right. So who were the Colossians before receiving Jesus? Well, he says in this first verse, he says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's not a good picture, is it? Alienated. What in the world does this mean? This means to be estranged or to be shut off from fellowship and intimacy here used in the context of our relationship with God. So to understand what Paul is saying, it's helpful to look at a parallel passage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, and he writes this in verse 12. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, there's that word again, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. He's talking to non-Jews here. And he says, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you, were once, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the Colossian church is primarily made up of non-Jews, what we call Gentiles. And at one time, Gentiles were excluded from the family of God. They were not part of God's covenantal promises. They were cut off. From the presence of God. They were pagan people, and and these Colossians, they used to worship false gods, idols. Jesus, though, through his sacrificial death and resurrection, has inaugurated a new covenant. And this alienation is the state now of anyone who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, you are cut off from the presence of God. He is the only way to the Father. And so all of us were at one time cut off from His presence because of our sin. Our sin has created a chasm, if you will, between us and God. But not only were the Colossians alienated from God before they encountered Jesus, but they were also, as Paul says here, hostile Hostile in mind and their way of thinking. And this is so, this is not just some kind of passive disconnect from God that the Colossians used to have, but it was a, a hostility towards Him. And I think this resonates with us today because if you've ever tried to share Jesus with somebody at work, or maybe just somebody else in the secular world, a, a non believer, someone who does not believe in Christ, maybe an atheist or an agnostic even, they're not normally okay with just letting, you know, just agreeing to disagree. Like, they get angry with you. Have you ever experienced with it? There's a hostility there. And this is what the Colossians used to experience, a hostility towards God. You know, the Western secular culture today hates the idea that there would be moral absolutes, right? They hate the idea that there would be only one way, if there were a God, that there would only be one way to Him. And they actually, most of them, hate the idea of there even being a God. These truths are offensive to our culture, and there is a great hostility towards the things of God. So in this throwback picture of the Colossians, Paul reminds them that they were once alienated from Jesus, or from God, they were hostile towards him in mind. And then he goes on to say they were full of wicked deeds. All right? Wicked deeds. So the Colossians' actions reflected their way of thinking. And this is what we see in the world today, is it not? Hey, let me ask you this Have you ever looked back at an old photo and you've wondered, what in the world was I thinking? Like, guys, this is no joke. When I was in the fourth or fifth grade, I, somewhere in that range, I had a permed mullet, essentially. This is no joke. Now, I would show you a picture, but I think my mother has probably burned all those pictures. Like, that was a real thing that was in style back then. And I look back at, at photos of me from the past, from other styles I went through, and I think, what was I thinking? Right? So Paul paints a pretty Bleak picture here for the Colossians of their lives before Jesus. They have to think, What was I thinking? Do you ever look back to your former way of life and go, What was I thinking when I used to live apart from the presence of God? So these Colossians used to be separated from his presence, hostile, full of wicked deeds. And we have here a reminder of what life apart from Jesus looks like. It's a dark place to be, is it not? This is why we want you to have evangelized because there's a world out there today that are living in darkness in separation from their creator. So Paul gives us this kind of bleak dark understanding of who we were before Christ, but then he gives us this great news. He gives us a current pick of the Colossians of who they are now in Jesus. And we can celebrate this because this is now a picture of who we are in Christ. Yeah, I love transformation. And with Jesus, transformation is possible. I've seen some um, radically wicked people transformed by the goodness of God. Amen? I, I had people that in, in my church in Greeley, Colorado, who were gang members. I watched them transformed by Jesus before my very eyes. I've watched men uh, that, that I've baptized here who who were uh, locked up for years and tough and rough people uh, break down crying in the presence of God. And I've just been able to watch God over and over again change people from the inside out. And I just want to encourage you with that to say that somebody in your life who's far from God, don't count them out because nobody is so far gone that the Lord of the, the, the Lord of, of this kind of change and transformation can't touch them, can't reach them. He's an awesome God, and there's nothing that is impossible for Him. So in, in verse 22, He gives us this kind of current pick of who we are in Jesus. He says to the Colossians, you were once alienated. Those of you who were alienated, He says, you have now He has now reconciled in His body. Jesus has reconciled in His body of the flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. So here's the deal. I think it can be healthy to glance back at who we were to the past, right? But the past should be used like a rearview mirror. When you are driving, your rearview mirror is there, so you can every once in a while glance back and just be aware of what's behind you. But if, friends you stay too long in this place where you're just glaring in the rearview mirror, you're either going to have to stop moving forward or what's going to happen? You're going to hit what's in front of you, right? And so this is the way we need to think about our past. I think it is a very healthy thing to remember where God has brought us from. That stops us from being arrogant and prideful. It, it, it reminds us of God's grace and love for us. But I would just encourage you today, don't dwell on who you used to be. Because if you do, it'll stop you from moving forward. And I believe that there are perhaps people here today that you can't move forward in Jesus. You're having issues because you can't get past your past. Because of uh, sins that you've committed, because of people that you've hurt, because of relationships that have been broken because of your sin, you think, oh, there's, there's nothing I can do now to be used of God. But if you have confessed your sins, friends, He is faithful and He is just to not only forgive you of sins, but the Scripture says to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Which means this, you don't have to walk around with those guilty stains and just feeling gross. And feeling the weight of that sin, Jesus died to free you from that burden. So glance at it, remember who you were, but thank God and celebrate who He has made you today. So Paul does this, he moves very quickly after just glancing at the Colossians past, he moves quickly to who they are now in Jesus. And, And he says, number one, that they've been reconciled. So he says, you've once been alienated, but he's now reconciled you in the body of flesh by his death. So here's the great news for every one of us who are in Christ. Those who are, who are in Jesus have moved from a place of separation, being cut off from the presence of God. We've moved from that place to a place of fellowship with him, communion with him. There is no greater privilege And this reconciliation, Paul wants to really drive this point home. It it was accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ, through his substitutionary death. he, He atoned for our sins. In other words, Christ's death satisfied the payment that was due for our sin. And this, if you will, has given us a seat at God's table. Are you with me? It's just incredible news. So those of you, those of us, all of us at one time were outside of the presence of God, didn't have a place at the table, but we have been now invited in because of what Jesus did at Calvary. It's a beautiful thought. I was on social media this week, and I was, uh, there's a friend of mine, Jane Christensen, who is a, a missionary in Mexico. And she put a picture up of one of her staff members who uh, just recently was in downtown Juarez. And Jane said that this lady came upon a homeless woman who had epilepsy. And because she had epilepsy, which apparently was very severe, homeless shelters rejected her. And for three years, the last three years, she has lived outside on the steps of the cathedral there in Juarez. Think about that, for three years. So this staff member of Jane Christensen's strikes up this conversation with this homeless lady and she said, I want you to come back and I want you to come to our mission house. And she, she took her in and they, they gave her a shower and, and new clothes. They helped her get the right medication so her epilepsy could be under control. They got food in her stomach and, and gave her her dignity back. And Jane said, it's amazing. She said, we found out she's bilingual. She's a very smart lady and a great conversationalist. Her life has been changed. Think about this. Just weeks ago, she was on the outside living on the stairs there in front of the cathedral. But now she's been brought in, treated like a human being, and she has a seat at the table. Just a beautiful picture. And in a much greater way, this is the experience of every believer we were once outcasts, alienated from God, but through the work of Jesus, we are now insiders. We're not second-class citizens. None of us are. We all have a seat at the king's table. Hallelujah. And think about this, what this would mean to the, the, to the Colossians. In Jesus' day, that the temple where God's manifest presence dwelt was divided into several courts. With each court being more exclusive, the closer you got to the center of the temple, the the Holy of Holies. So for non-Jews, Herod added vast courts on either side of the complex. And that's the only place Gentiles could go. They couldn't go to the most important parts of the temple. From there, you had the court of Jewish women, which was a little bit closer. And then, past that, only Jewish men could go and then only priest from there could go into the next section and finally you had the holy of holies where only the high priest could go and only once a year but because of jesus that veil has been ripped torn because of our high priest jesus christ we are all now invited to that most into that most holy place to experience the presence of God, to commune with God. It's it's no longer reserved. That place is not reserved for one priest once a year. No. Oh, friends, it's for every one of us. That's why Hebrews 4.16 is so beautiful. It says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That's Old Testament language. That draw near is used in the Hebrew Scriptures to denote approaching God. So here's what what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Let us all with confidence draw near. Let us feel like we can approach God. Remember last week we talked about Jesus being Lord of the cosmos, creator of of the the, the heavens and the earth, and, and creator of the new creation, Lord of the new creation. And then Paul turns around and says, by the way, draw near to this creator. What a privilege! Wow! Draw near. Talk about transformation from alienation to reconciliation. And this is really important. How does this happen? See, when we post these transformation pics on our social media pages... Uh, above the picture is normally a paragraph that says, like, let's say that somebody lost uh, some weight. And they say, well, hey, look what I did, right? They say, for the last year, I've, I've eaten a really healthy diet. And I have gone to the gym religiously. Six days a week, I've worked out. And look, here I am now. Look at me and applause, right? And we should celebrate those things. But do you realize here for this type of transformation that I'm preaching about, though we were all from a place of alienation and now we're in a place of reconciliation, we can actually take no credit for this? Because you didn't get here because you worked really hard or or tried really hard to be moral or, or to keep the law. No, you got here by grace through faith. We were alienated without hope but Jesus We were separated from God, but Jesus. We were at enmity, the Bible says, with God, but Jesus. It was at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. I wish somebody would help me this morning. All true believers, we have an incredible testimony. Don't think you don't have a testimony. Don't think that you don't have a testimony of transformation. He has brought us all from darkness into what the Scripture says is His marvelous life, light. He has brought us from death into life, from wickedness into holiness, from hopelessness into a place of hope. What an awesome God we serve. Hallelujah. So we have considered what our lives were like before transformation. We've celebrated who we are now in Jesus, but let's look at the future. Who will we be in the last day? Have you all seen these, uh, these apps? I just said y'all. Y'all's rubbing off on me. <laughs> have you guys, <laughs> have you seen these aging apps like it can predict? What you're going to look like. I didn't want to see that. Help me, somebody. Did anybody look really good in those pictures? I did not, all right? So I didn't show Nikki. I didn't want her to get scared. Look at verse 22. He says, he's reconciled you by his death in order. There's a reason for this. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So, Paul says that Christ reconciles believers so that he can present Christians as holy and blameless and above reproach before God. Now, stay with me for just a moment. The word holy here, that's translated holy, is the Greek word hagios. And it has already been used three times in this chapter, but. It's interpreted in the other three times a little bit differently. It's, a, it's in verses 2, verse 4, and verse 12. The word, the English word there is in those verses is the word saints, all right? And, it's, and Paul is there using it to, to describe our current standing as holy ones, okay? If you are a Christian right now, you may not realize this, but you are a saint. Look at your neighbor and just realize, believe it or not, you're sitting next to a saint. And I did not say they always act like it, right? But they are, if they're in Christ, a saint. So we are His people now. We're set apart now. His holy ones. That's what that means. But the emphasis here in this verse shifts from the present state to a future hope. And Paul anticipates what will happen to believers on the last day when we stand before the Lord. That's kind of a fearful thing to think about, right? Like if you don't understand really who we are in Christ... Man, how am I one day going to stand before the Lord, the great judge of the world? So he says, For one, here's what's going to happen true believers will be presented as holy in the last days, which is a matter of belonging to God. So if you're in Jesus, you stand before God in the last day, you are His. Okay, you're not alienated. You are His. You belong to Him. Secondly, he says Christ is working in each believer to present them blameless. Now this language used here is, comes from the context of the sacrificial system in Judaism. And commentator Mark Mignel explains that the Old Covenant demanded that any sacrifices, this is from Leviticus, presented in the temple must be pure and without blemish. That the purity then covers over the impurity of the one offering it. He goes on to say, So it is with Christ sacrificed. He is perfect and he dies for the profoundly imperfect. Can I get an amen? But as a result, as a result, because he's the spotless lamb, we gain his perfection. Isn't that incredible? Whatever we have done in our life, whatever our evil behavior is, we all have that, right? We will stand without any stains at all because of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, who has been slain for our sin. So Christ reconciles believers so that they can be presented to God as holy and blameless. And finally, he says, above reproach. So he moves from this sacrificial language to kind of this uh, law language, right? Judiciary language. And he talks about our new legal status before God, meaning that, friends, in the last, on the last day, no charges, if you are in Christ, no charges will be brought against you. No charge will, will stand. Satan can bring uh, against you all that he wants. He is an accuser of the brethren. But no charge will stand for those who are in Christ Jesus. A clean slate. How does that make you feel this morning? Amen? It's an incredible hope. Now, when we talk about transformation, and I'm closing, one of the big questions is this. Will this transformation stick? Had a great friend who a few years ago lost 100 pounds, just over 100 pounds in one year. Just incredible transformation. And he said, not only do I look a lot different, but he said, I feel different. I feel so much better. I feel healthy. And he kept that weight off gloriously for almost a year. It's wonderful. But then he started falling back into some, same, some old habits, right? And he put on about 30 and 40, 50 more pounds. And I think he's back on the health wagon now and he's losing the weight again. But that's a fair question, right? When we talk about transformation, is, is this going to stick? And it's interesting when I'm trying to lead people to Christ, when I do lead people to Christ, Often they ask me I, or say something to me like this, I, "I hope it sticks. I hope it sticks." Well I just want to encourage you, I think that if it's, I think if it's a real transformation, I think it will stick, because that transformation doesn't depend on you for it to stay. It, it actually depends on Christ. If it was up to you, it wouldn't stick. I'll just tell you. Often people say to me, well, yeah, I've received Christ now, but I want to wait for baptism because I want to make sure it's going to stick. No. No, you just trust Jesus and trust that He is the one who's able to keep you from falling. But I want to be really fair to the text here. Paul closes this section with, with one condition. And here's what he says. He says, you will be presented in the end as holy, blameless, and above reproach. Verse 23 now. If indeed you continue in the faith. Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all of creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, I stayed up till about 11.30 last night, still wrestling with this text. You've got to remember why Paul is writing this letter. Remember that false doctrines are coming against the church in Colossae, and Paul is concerned that some of these believers are moving away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the the apostle Paul is telling these men and, and women that there can be no drifting from the faith. You can't drift just because they've now been welcomed into the God's presence does not mean that they can just go back and live how they used to live and worship false idols and That's the pressure that they're facing. The temptation for them is to try to hold on to Jesus, yet to kind of work in, addition to this, to work back in some of their old habits and beliefs and rituals. And Paul just warns against this kind of thinking. And there's this hyper grace movement today that kind of is along these lines. It says, Hey, if you've prayed a magic prayer at the altar, you just live any old way and it doesn't matter. Paul's just refuting this. He says, no. No, you, you, can't, you, you can't get this. You can't be presented as holy and blameless and just go back and live any old way. Now, it's important to say that none of us live perfectly in this life. We're in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. But I would argue that someone who lives in blatant sin, habitual sin, According to 1 John chapter 3 and many other passages, that person has not been transformed by Jesus. Because part of the transformation is this, that you get a new heart. Okay, metaphorically, you get a new heart. So that person who lives like they don't know Christ probably does not know Christ. One of the signs of a real follower of Jesus is continuing in the faith. J.I. Packer said it like this. He says, the only proof of past conversion is present convertedness. So this blessing of final salvations assumes that you remain in the faith. You know how my heart breaks for those who have come through this church alone. And have been so excited for about a month about Jesus. But then where are they today? They're back living their old way according to their own habits. Now, this is not about our efforts. That's not what Paul is talking about. But it is about our dependence. He's saying that we must stay focused on the gospel, the hope of the gospel. It would be like getting on on a plane and then 50 miles from your destination going up to the pilot and saying, Hey, I've got it from here, opening the rear exit and just jumping out. That would be crazy. If you want to get to your destination, you've got to stick with the pilot. And that is what Paul is saying here because there's this pressure to move away from Jesus and to let in some of these other rituals and beliefs and false gods and old habits. And that's the story of so many people today in our churches they want Jesus. They say they want Jesus, but they're trying to reconcile this and their old way of life. I'm still partying on Friday nights, but hey, I'm going to church on Sundays. I'm shacking up with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, but oh, Jesus will understand. I'm living in sexual immorality. I'm using language that's not pleasing to the Lord, but it's all right. I, I, I love Jesus. And Paul's saying, no, it doesn't work like that. What, what he's saying is this. If you're going to make it to that destination, it's not about your works. What it is, you just got to stay on the plane. Don't jump off and go, hey, I can I can take it the plane from here, or I can I can take it from here, right? No. Jesus is the pilot, stay on the plane. That's the point. We are saved by grace through faith, and we are kept by grace through faith. It is Him, the Bible says, who is able to keep us from falling the bottom line is that we're to keep our eyes on jesus i don't think paul's writing to make us doubt our salvation i think he's writing to give us a great assurance of salvation i mean you look at the previous verses he's telling us who we are in jesus we have access to the presence of god and he's saying how do how do we do this how do we stay on the plane he just says stand on the hope of the gospel stand firm in that We can trust that God will get us through Christ to our destination. Butch, if you wouldn't mind coming. Not to put you on the spot, but do you know that uh, I have decided to follow Jesus? Indeed. That'd be great. I used to love it when my pastor did that when I was a worship minister. Let me just give you some application and we'll go home. Perhaps you're here today... And you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you came just for the kids' Christmas play and you're like, I didn't know I was going to have to sit through this too, right? But you're here by divine appointment. I just believe that. Maybe something I've said today or maybe something that you said or maybe something the children sang about or said, maybe perhaps something resonated within you today. Something that we said resonates within you. And you would say maybe today, preacher, I would love this kind of transformation to happen to me. But maybe you think because of your background, because of your past decision, or maybe because of what you did last night. Maybe you think, no, this isn't for me. This is great for somebody else, but this is not for me. And I want to tell you that this is in the Bible so that you could be encouraged to know that this is actually for you because the Colossians were wicked people. I mean, they they lived in a community that worshipped many. They were pluralists. They worshipped many false gods, pagan rituals, immorality. I mean, you name it, they did it. But now they've been transformed by Jesus Christ. And that transformation is the story. If you knew our stories in here, you just know this is the way Jesus still works. One encounter with Jesus can transform you. So I trust today, I pray today, that you would repent of your sin, turn from it, and believe in the death, the burial, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that you would put your faith and your trust in Him and that you would follow Him as the Lord of your life. And the Bible says all, all, that includes you, All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'd love to to help you through that process if you're here and that's you today. Finally, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to celebrate our identity in Christ. I hope you've been reminded of of what Christ has done for you. Positionally, Jesus has set us apart, holy, blameless. We're saints. It's incredible so now I think this means that we should do everything in our power to live in a way that's congruent with who he's, he's made us right in other words he's made us holy positionally through Christ so let's act like holy people see the Bible says day by day you know the verse out of Romans 8 that we like to quote so much that says God's working all things together together For our good, right? To them who love God and are called according to His purpose. We think, okay, He's working things together for my good. And we go, that means He's he's making me richer and healthier and all these. No, you know what? you got to read the context. What's He talking about? He says, He goes on to say that we've been, been predestined and called and justified and glorified. Why? So that we could be conformed into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. So you know the good in context that's that's happening in your life should be happening as a believer. Day by day, everything that happens to you, every good thing, every bad thing, every indifferent thing, maybe to you, it's all working together to mold you into the image of Christ. So tomorrow you ought to wake up looking a little more like Jesus than you did today.